Hello, and welcome back to So Weird is So Good. I am Hannah. I'm Chelsea. And this time it is the Gremlin episode. And guys, we are recording this in November of 2022, which if you are listening to this not in November of 2022, you need to understand Elon Musk just bought Twitter. I am so, so excited to talk about Tad Raxel in the age of Elon Musk buying Twitter. Holy shit. Excellent. Uh, so vague summary of episode. Uh, the crew is on their way to visit definitely not Elon Musk. His name is Tad Raxel because Molly wants to tell him to stop reminding the world that she sold out and wrote a commercial jingle for him because she wants to be taken as a serious artist. Unfortunately, the jingle she wrote is really, really, really catchy. Star dot star. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't remember it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but years later, it's still an earworm. Yes, entirely. So they break down. Turns out that at Tesla headquarters, <laughs> there's gremlins trying to fight the robot apocalypse. That's not even true. They're not trying to fight the robot apocalypse. They're just like, no, we don't like technology. And now there's this technology bigwig and we're just going to fuck everything up. So the town's stuck on like 1960s technology, I think. They have a light bulb. Yes, they do have a light bulb. Yes. Uh, But cell phones don't work. Pretty much uh, the gang saves the day by saying, okay, we don't need technology. A simple life is better. Cottage core all the way. Also... Elon, stop trying to launch Starlink. It's not going to happen. Well, we've talked about the the pattern of like a serious episode and then kind of a lighter episode. Oh, and I feel real? like this is like we the last one was pretty serious. And this one is like between the mute, the sounds like it, it's just very comedic. And, and the fact that like. They solved the problem with the gremlins by singing a song. Like, that's together. adorable. That's adorable. They sang the song together. <laughs> yeah. I think, again, y'all are going to get really sick of me saying this, but the balance is is there in terms of just the the mood and the vibe of the, the different episodes. It, entirely. And, like, especially watching them back to back like we are, which was not possible in 1999. True. Uh, it's really easy to see that pattern. Yes. So first of all, I just Mm -hmm. really, really love the dynamic of the crew on the bus uh, Mm. because Molly is there. She's like, oh, this is so embarrassing. That stupid jingle won't leave me. And like everywhere I go, it haunts me. And the whole group is giving her so much shit. It's so good. And she's taking it and like she's going along with it too. Of like, I know, guys, I was young. I needed the money. And Irene's like, it was last year. And just, <laughs> oh, my God, the group all ganging up and singing her jingle at her as she's just like, please, no, please, no, please, no. But like, it's so fun and so loving, which is how I feel about the group all the time. And it makes me happy. For sure. It's that like friendly ribbing mm-hmm. that that I think shows the dynamics of the group really, really well. And it shows the positive dynamics of the group. And it's very, it's very heartwarming because it's done, it's all done with a smile and with love in their hearts. And it's cute. And you have to have so much love and so much trust to be able to give each other shit like that. 
Oh, yeah. And they do it all the time. I love it. It's nice. Okay, so as far as the town of Simplicity, it's kind of interesting to watch in the age of people getting a little bit more fixated on cottagecore. Yes. Because like, everyone's just kind of burnt out with capitalism, and we're in a post-COVID world, and there's people dreaming and fantasizing about joining communes and canning food like left and right. Uh, I'm hearing people saying that's going to be the millennial uh, midlife crisis. Totally. And when we were watching it, I mentioned the Luddites. Yes, I have in my notes. I am supposed to ask you now that we are recording. What the fuck yes. is a Luddite? Okay. To call someone a Luddite is kind of like a perjurative. Mm-hmm. Saying that they're against technology. And it comes from... I listened to a podcast about this and and have done some reading and it comes from this group. They were basically a group of workers in England who were protesting the conditions at industrial factories, mostly talking about there was new technology that was that was coming to the factories and it was getting rid of people's jobs. And so the Luddites they would like sabotage machines. Um, just like and, the gremlins do. Just like the gremlins. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the Luddites. I'm looking at a Smithsonian article. They were highly skilled machine operators in the textile industry. Let's see. Yeah, smashing machines as a form of industrial protest. Yeah, there was a lot of poverty. There was food was scarce and becoming costly. So I think the I think the concept of of the Luddites is really interesting. And I, I see cottagecore life as kind of in, in that direction as like rejecting technology for the sake of slow crafts and, and getting back to our roots and things like that. And here we are living in Seattle in the year 2022, where Amazon is absolutely destroying the world, but we're yep. an Amazon town, so we have to. Starbucks is trying to unionize. It's going poorly. Yeah. Uh, And Elon Musk just bought Twitter and is just fucking shit up left and right in the most hilarious of ways. Yeah. Right now, right now we're in the phase of other people are fucking up his shit and it's great. I love it. It is. Bullying Elon Musk is like one of my favorite hobbies. (laughs) You do. You're great at it. Thank you. Uh, Which brings me to Tad Raxel. I feel like he's kind of pro Elon propaganda because at the end of the day, he ends up being a sweetheart. Uh, yeah. In this episode, he didn't quite reach sweetheart level. He reached pitiable. I know he comes back later, and I know they tried to give him a redemption arc, and I am really, really suspect about that right now. Because he was kind of a dick in this episode. Like, yeah. Oh my, ah. just the insane torturing of his employees. Mm-hmm. I see a straight white male, cis, who is doing a great job of demonstrating weaponized incompetence. And at the same time, like, he is obviously so fucking autistic. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. instead of self-regulating his emotions, he is forcing his employees to follow him around and do all of his regulation for him by singing Molly's song, which is objectively hilarious. But if it was in real life, that would be, like, very high on the list of celebrities employees speak out about what weird things they have to do that would be like at the top of every single list 
Well, and I think that if they hadn't made the choice to make this a comedic episode, it would be like really sad and scary, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so they they needed to add in that, like, I, I definitely get vibes of like Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. And um, just with the eccentricities of the company leader and having all of these magical things. And yeah, I, I see parallels there. But um, would I want to work for Ted Raxel? Dear God, no. Would I want to work for Elon Musk or Jeff, Jeffrey Bezos? Dear God, no. Like, I would not want to be their lackey. And oh, the poor, poor lackeys. Yeah. So something that I'm like really anxious about is because I know eventually they're going to try to do a little romance between him and Molly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so on one hand, fine. On the other hand, everything else. Um, I have really complicated feelings about the trope of giving the awkward nerd a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, because on one hand, yes, like sometimes people need a chance. On the other hand, Tad is clearly being a dick right now and i would not wish him on anyone like he is not capable of considering other people's feelings at all he's barely capable of containing his own so no and at the end of the episode when he's saying goodbye to molly instead of going onto the bus he, he asks his employees to lift him up to the window so that and they hold him there while he is saying goodbye and i'm just like motherfucker you have feet. You have feet. Come on, <laughs> man. Uh. Yeah, so I he's supposed to get a redemption arc. We will see how much he learns. I I know the show is going to teach him a lesson and he's going to do better and he's starting to learn that lesson in this episode. But I for a romance for Molly, I don't want it to be a feeling pity for the nerd. I want it to be active positive chemistry. Absolutely. Like it's it's not I'm. I don't remember uh, the follow up like at all. I don't either. Yeah, I, I think it's just like uh, at the end, it's like, oh, Tad, you were less than your usual crazy ass self, and she gives him a kiss on the cheek or something. Yeah, Molly deserves better. Everyone deserves better. Tad yeah. deserves better. But but at the same time, like kind of like we talked about in the last episode, for folks who are extremely gifted in an area the thought process or maybe the expectation societal expectation is that area of expertise will come above socialization and so there's this expectation almost that oh well he's an eccentric genius so that's just how they are yeah very very much so which like no everybody should be held accountable for their behavior no matter their neurotype, no matter what, says the teacher. This is not going to be the only time I segue with this ridiculous transition during this podcast. So that brings me to Columbine. Oh my. <laughs> I, w- I wish I could tell you this was going to be a one-off occurrence. It's going to be, a, this is going to be a recurring theme. Okay. So in the post-Columbine world, we as kids were taught don't be mean to the weird loners. Try to be their friends, because if you're mean to the weird loners, they might grow up to kill us all. Yeah. And that's, like, very much what this show was trying to do with Tad here. It's like, 
okay, let's give the weirdo a chance. Never mind the fact that it's never the weirdos that grow up to be violent mass shooters. It's the violent misogynists. Mm. Faulty logic. And also, man, they really uh, put all of us kids in charge of preventing <laughs> school shootings, didn't they? That's cool. Well, and instead of instead of trying to dismantle the system of like the systems of white supremacy and misogyny, like that actually create these situations and, you know, and a lack of gun control, they put it on the kids yep. to and what? That Yep. And and the show's about to put that responsibility on on Molly whenever Tad comes back. And that's deeply unjust. Yep. Yeah. Which, like, we tie this show to our personal trauma all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. The, <laughs> the way it manifested in my ridiculous tiny private school, it was like 30 students total uh, spread out from third through eighth grade. We had assigned a seating at lunch. We had assigned seating at lunch. Wow. So we only did that during COVID. Ostensibly, it was so that uh, they would know who did not clean up their table after lunch if they left a mess. That was the story. Uh, except for, oh, they absolutely use these assigned seatings to try to force friendships and break up friendships. So I wow. was tasked with the, we're going to sit her with the weird, quiet nerds because she's going to be nice to them because I had that skill. So I was like unofficially, professionally hired to be the talk to the weird, quiet kid person. Yeah. And I can say that as an educator, definitely have done that in terms of like seating arrangements and, and things like that. But not at lunch. But not at lunch. <laughs> no. Actually, there, there have been a couple of times when we had to have, when we had to have assigned lunch seats because there were so many there was so much bickering during lunch and nobody was actually eating. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like I have heard from, from folks that it can be really harmful for folks, especially who are quiet, who are calm, who are kind, who are empathetic, that are seated next to some of the tougher kids and kind of expected to mellow them out. Oh, yeah. I also, paradoxically, was that kid, too. Got it. At different times. Okay. It happens. Yep. Yeah. And I just, I had a kind of situation like that in my classroom last year. And I made sure to check in with the the mellower student. Mm -hmm. Air quotes. Forget. <laughs> Y'all can't see me. To really check in with them and just say, hey... I wanted to check in with you about how it's going with your seating arrangement. Are you are you okay? Are you, are you okay with sitting here and 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 being with this person? And sometimes the answer was no. And that and I said thank you so much for telling me because I want to make sure that you feel comfortable and safe at school. I not to toot my own horn, but I like to think that that's an example of that balance that I'm always seeking and and that that parental like supervision in the way of ensuring safety but not being a helicopter parent person yeah and you know what for all the world it looks like tad got used to people learning that they just have to deal with him because yeah. uh, he sure is uh, very comfortable forcing people to just fucking deal with him yeah and that's how 
and and that's how that weaponized incompetence comes in. Well, th- there's also the difference between male and female autism. Yes. W- with women often don't get diagnosed with aut- autism because they figure out how to control their shit. Men somehow don't. And uh-huh. he is just the most classic male autistic that never learned to control his out- outbursts. Yeah. And is so set in his ways and expects everyone else to cater to his whims. Like, I mean, I've known people who were, I think the current phrasing is high, higher needs autistic, mm-hmm. or like probably more mid-range actually is what I'm thinking of. Uh, there, there was one person in college where uh, he was in Tolkien Society with us because, of course, that's where all the autistic kids hung out. <laughs> but he was on a level where if the meeting went long, that was something that would cause a meltdown because his need was a very regimented schedule um, to the point that we actually kept in the executive board binder for the club a little note that we could pass to him and say, hey, the meeting's running long. If you need to leave, feel free. Meltdown stopped. That's amazing. And that's that's accessibility. Right. I, I feel like a lot of people don't see the difference between molly coddling bad behavior and accessibility. And there's totally a difference. And you know what? I'm I'm probably blurring that line myself, too. Okay. Because, like, the episode starts with Molly backing off entirely and being like, oh, shit, I can't deal with this. But she eventually kind of wins over him, right? Mm-hmm. I think she starts out with the, well, shit, I guess we're just going to cater to this uh, tyrant. Mm-hmm. And then eventually... Uh, stands up and says, no, we have to do it another way. And that's when they rewrite the song and say, no, you're not going to launch Starlink in 1999. Yeah. But I do wonder if if their connection to him is the reason that Fee is able to run her laptop on the bus. That would explain a lot in universe. Yeah, that would be why she has Wi-Fi on a bus. In 1999. Yeah. <laughs> okay, headcanon accepted. Yeah, that fixes everything. Awesome. Yep. Uh, something I have in my notes is Molly's art was used for bad capitalism. Like, this poor creative person trying to make the world a better place with music was forced to accidentally contribute to Amazon warehouse conditions <laughs> with her song being a rallying cry to like force all of the employees to stay productive, productive, productive. And that's sad to me. Absolutely. And again, this show demonstrates non-examples and examples of art being used for evil, if we, th- if we really want to go that far, and how it, can, how it can lead to like propaganda level stuff. Yeah. Without the consent of the artist. Because the whole episode is about Molly trying to be like, no, 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 please stop. Yeah. Whereas... That's for lawyers to do. Yeah. But we also don't know their financial situation. Very true. Yeah. And (laughs) we could try to suss that out and it would just never work because it never goes well when you try to suss out financial situations on TV shows. Yeah. So I think what we're supposed to be talking about when watching this episode is the dichotomy between technology enabling and preventing connection. So Black Mirror. Yes, entirely. One argument the show is making is everyone in the town of Simplicity is so much happier. They're more connected with their neighbors. 
they slow down, they enjoy the coffee, they talk to their neighbors, they get to know one another. There's a lot more just interconnectivity in the town. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Irene's cell phone isn't working. She can't communicate with anyone that's not directly in front of her. Mm-hmm. I think about this all the time, especially because I've got friends and family far and wide where if it wasn't for technology, those relationships would evaporate. Mm-hmm. But also, like, yeah, one-on-one time is great. In a post-COVID world, we know that now better than ever. For sure. Yeah. Balance. Yep. Um, one thing that I want to point out is I was looking at the director is Michael Kennedy, who I personally hadn't heard of. But what I think is notable about his career is that, I mean, he's been he's been directing things since 1987. And so So Weird kind of comes in like the early middle part, kind of third. Yeah. He does he's received awards for best director for these like documentary series. That's our second documentarian that we found on this show. Exactly. And specifically in 1996, he won the director's guild of America award for best director youth programs for Robin of Loxley. Oh my gosh. Wow. So he won the same award because the production was Emily of New Moon. Wait, do what? You know, do you know Emily of New Moon? No, tell me everything. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. One of my, all, like, I need to read it again because it just is amazing. So the author of Anne of Green Gables uh-huh. wrote Anne of Green Gables, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And then she wrote a three book series called Emily of New Moon. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Anne. I love Anne of Green Gables. I mm-hmm. love the character and, and development and everything. But Anne was always very idealistic and optimistic. Mm-hmm. And whereas Emily is like darker and more broody. Okay. And so there are <laughs> I've I've heard I've heard people say that there are there are folks who are Anne and folks who are Emily. Okay. And that the folks who really understand and relate to Emily are much more likely to be like goths and <laughs> um, and just folks who are more who are more interested in in-depth analysis of things and and really thinking about thinking about how how everything is connected and who is connected to what and and everything whereas i feel like Anne she was very much I'm going to appreciate everything that I have around me because I know that it won't last. Okay. So anyways, we've got a documentarian who's focused on youth things who won awards for adapting Flip Side of the Coin of Anna Green Gables. Yes. All feels entirely in line for the lineage of this show. Holy shit. Exactly. Exactly. So that's all I have to say about this other than... Tad Raxel is pro-Elon propaganda. Uh, Elon is actually going to learn his lesson the next time we see him to some degree. I hope he learns it well. Molly deserves better than him anyways. And also this TV show might be the first time documented ever anywhere where they use the word boomer. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you said that because I f- totally forgot. Eric Von Dutton. 
<laughs> all started with him. Love it. Amazing. All right. Uh, that's all I got. You got any final thoughts? Um, nope. That's all. All right. Uh, so this was our uh, happy light fluff episode. I'm sure the next one will be dark. I can't remember which one's coming up next, but we'll find out soon. Angel. Yep. <laughs> sure is. The pattern holds. See you Absolutely. for the next one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.